have your company for the global game at the World Cup. Simon Hill and John Cosmina in Qatar. Have you recovered yet? <laughs> Coming up over the next hour, we'll dissect Australia's dream day in Doha and run the rule over the other three games on day 11. And we'll look ahead to the penultimate round of matches in the group stage tomorrow. Don't forget, you can always get in touch with us with your views on this World Cup via our Twitter page at Global Game SEN. Let's get things started with our hot topic. Thanks to Guzman y Gomez, fast food that athletes say yes to. And John Cosmina, who's a little croaky today, but uh, it's not just because Australia won. Uh, he's got a little bit of a dose of the flu, but you're OK, Cosy. And today's topic is, is the win by the Socceroos the nation's finest ever football achievements and I guess from my point of view and this is what I'd like your thoughts on Cosy, there are three options the 2016 that got to the round of 16 but with a golden generation of players the 1974 team that got to a World Cup with a team of part-time players which is a great achievement and Angie's 2015 side that uh, won the Asian Cup which of course remains the biggest piece of silverware that the nation has ever won what's your thoughts Oh, Simon, it's a it's a tough call because all three that you've mentioned are, are worthy of that top spot. But I, I look at what happened last night and the feeling and and how the Socceroos have gone about this whole campaign. Mm. And you look at all of the problems that they've had. They they went through two years of qualification that was disrupted totally by COVID. Yep. They had coaches that couldn't Arnie couldn't sit on the bench. He had to coach from um, his hotel room. Had Zoom meetings instead of face to face meetings. Players that were in and out of the team. Uh, the whole thing has been completely disrupted. Uh, and when you put it all into that context and uh, look at the fact that we had to go through the the, uh, the third place playoff um, and in the UAE against UAE and Peru and and the way we went about that when the team actually had some time to get together and build as a group, um, then you look at um, the short preparation we've had for this World Cup and injuries. We've lost Martin Boyle, for example, who's a player that was a key factor in, in us getting as far as we have in the mm. first place. So um, I'd have to put that down, or this down, as the finest achievement, because it's modern day. Um, yeah, all that stuff in the past is great, but this has been exceptional because we've got a bunch of A-League players out there. You know, you look at Matt Leckie playing at Melbourne City, you know, Craig Goodwin at Adelaide United. At, uh, you got guys that were underrated 12 months ago. Kai Rolls was playing at the Central Coast Mariners. Now he's playing in a World Cup against some of the best players in the world. It's uh, it's unbelievable. So, no, I would put this as the greatest performance ever. It is absolutely extraordinary. Uh, do you agree with uh, Cozzy or do you disagree? Send us a tweet at Global Game SEN. That's uh, your hot topic for Guzman y Gomez today, home of clean, healthy burritos, bowls that athletes say yes to. So let's delve a little deeper into the Socceroos against Denmark game and relive what was a famous night for the green and gold. Lindstrom gets it through the legs of Degenek and then finds a run of Mailer down the left side. Joachim Mailer outside of the boot cross comes into the area and into the hands of Matt Ryan. He had a uh, Danish player, Martin Braithwaite, bearing down on him, but it just went into his hands before Braithwaite got a touch. On the right sideline here, Denmark. Christensen plays it in, cuts it back inside the area. Lindstrom's shot was blocked. Well-timed challenge from Milos Degenek folding in. He slid in front of the shot, put his body on the line. Oh, lovely flick on from Martin Braithwaite. They're in behind here, Denmark right on the far side of the box. 
And a smart save from Matt Ryan after Matthias Jensen blasted it on a very acute angle. Chance for Australia. Matthew Leckie up to the edge of the box. Cuts him on the left. Tries to play it out the far side to Goodwin and it was the wrong option. It was straight to the feet of Rasmus Christensen. Denmark exposing the space on the left through Mailer. Degenex in front of him. Mailer gets the byline. Cuts the cross back. Oh, Matt Ryan had a moment. He didn't control it, but he somehow swung his right foot at it to sweep it away. Good touch from McGree over to Aaron Moy. Plays it with a long ball forward. It's a good hit from Goodwin who brings it down right on the edge of the final thirds. Mitch Duke. He's struck it to the front post from a long way out and it's covered easily by Kasper Schmeichel. Leckie through midfields. Out to his left for Irvine who jogs up to the edge of the box to the left for McGree. Cuts it back inside Irvine. It was straight to his left foot but it came at him with too much pace and he couldn't control it on goal. And Australia will try and get it away and they've got some space here. McGree plays it into the feet of Leckie. Leckie's one-on-one. Gets to the edge of the box. Cuts around. Back to his left. Leckie strike. Matthew Leckie has put the Socceroos in front. The path to the round of 16 becomes clearer for the green and gold. Gives it to Bayich now. Bayich splits two Danish defenders apart. Gets inside the area as is Bayich. Keeps on going. Can't cut the cross back. Takes a deflection and actually came off Bayich last as well. So a double whammy. Couldn't find a teammate and does not get the corner. Plays it backwards. Ericsson gets it in towards Cornelius. Goes all the way through and it's a penalty. No, it's offside. The referee did point down to the spot with the offside flag as gone up so it shouldn't count. Ericsson along the ground to Lindstrom who skips on through, plays it onto Dolberg and a sliding tackle from Sutar and the follow-up shot from Barr is skewed off the side of the boot and swings away. Harry Sutar yet again just as Dolberg found himself in a yard of space inside the area. Harry Sutar was there once again for his country. Lindstrom gets a ball to the back post, Sutar again heads it away to the edge of the box to Scott, gets a cross in, touch was too heavy and it's cleared away by Australia. Throw comes in left sideline. Not a down by McLaren. Backus has it. Aaron Moy follows up. And that is it. Australia are into the round of 16. Yes. Incredible. For the first time since 2006, Australia are into the World Cup knockout phase. It is a sight to behold in Australian sports. A team that has embodied the Aussie spirit all the way through the journey. The qualifiers, the shootout against Peru, the win against Tunisia, and now the win against Denmark. And for the second time in history, the green and gold will feature among the world's best 16. These post-match interviews are becoming quite the occasion now. Yeah, look, I'm uh, just so proud of the effort by the boys and... Uh... No, short turnaround, but their effort was incredible. What went into it to win two games out of three at the World Cup? Are you pinching yourself? Made a lot of belief, a lot of hard work. And, you know, these boys come in with a great mindset. We've been working on this for four, four and a half years, about the belief of the energy and the focus. And, uh, you know, know, I could see in their eyes they were ready tonight. You gave a big shout-out to your mate at the Sackville Hotel last time. All of Australia must be celebrating now, right? Yeah, look, uh, I saw the great branding at the Sacky Hotel. It's now the Sacky Ruse. And uh, it's great to have that support behind us. And, uh, yeah, look, fantastic. And just before you've got the next game coming up quite soon, how will you uh, uh, embrace the celebrations tonight, if at all? No celebrations. As I said to the boys, that's why we won after a great win against Tunisia. No celebrations, no emotion, sleep, no social media.
Graham Arnold, you're due to the knockout round. Congratulations. Thank you very much. What do you think? Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Seriously, like, I mean, particularly when Tunisia went at 1-0, I thought, well, we got to score. We scored. We win the game. To get six points in a World Cup, unbelievable. Did you anticipate this before the World Cup? I think we all thought we were going to struggle, really, didn't we? No. I just, to me, I thought, well, if we get out of the group, we're doing really well. Yeah. So it's been fantastic. Incredible. Arnold's done an amazing job. You know, people have been slagging him off, but you've got to take your hat off to him. Fantastic. Brilliant. Will? What do you think? Simon, to concede four against France, then defend for 180 minutes and not concede across the second two games. Just absolutely magnificent. And I think a lot of us came here with low expectations. To concede, uh, to score one goal would be fantastic. Uh, to score three, each of them legendary in their own right, uh, particularly the second two. Two wins at a World Cup, Australia. History we do makers. That, do we? History makers. <laughs> oh, just to come and do it of their own volition. No need to worry about the other result. And yeah, to hang on. I mean, they'll always make you stress the soccerers to an extent in the last 10 minutes were particularly airy but yeah magnificent legends every one of them does this uh, make some people reassess their thoughts about the a-league because a lot of these players have come through their domestic comp as well uh absolutely not you and i simon but <laughs> for sure and guys like duke and goodwin who are a little bit older who have been not selected for the soccerers for a lot of their career to you know get their rewards at 30 it shows if you continue to work you'll get there and if you drop back to the a-league you'll get there there's nothing wrong with that either so no very special one for the true believers Brilliant. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Come on, give us your thoughts. I can't speak much. <laughs> Too oh, emotional? Quite emotional. A little yeah. bit stunned. Um, yeah, I really just wanted to see one win. Didn't believe we could win two. I'm getting out of the group, I thought we could sneak out with a win and a draw, but to win it and need to win it was just amazing. I, I don't think any of us thought, really, or did we, that it was possible? Not really. No. Well, I thought a draw was possible, a win. I'll take it. That yeah. was just stunning. Stunning. Um, just on Denmark, do you think they're a bit disappointed? I mean, we're not disappointed with their performance, but they didn't really threaten, did they? they no, not at all. Well, actually, they did, but they just went out to convert, I guess, score goals. And Matthew Leckie fucking took them down. <laughs> took them down. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. We'll bleep that out, don't worry. And defensively, Harry Suter, again, yeah. magnificent. Yeah, I think he's changed the whole structure of that back He won't line, be playing the Stoke. Yeah, I have a bit of confidence now when it goes back that we've got some coverage. Yeah. How far, for a long time. how far can we go? As far as we can. I'm, if, I mean, if Saudi Arabia can beat Argentina, yeah. so can we. I think we're all a bit speechless, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> we're watching tonight's results with interest. Yeah. Be nice if Poland could draw and yeah. then the Saudis win, maybe. Yeah. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I think, but more than anything, I think it's just like, I think just proud for how, you know, we weren't supposed to be here. We weren't supposed to made it. And obviously knew what they are doing. Yeah. And stuck in there. They, very, very emotional evening. You might have a beer tonight few one or three yeah. <laughs> yes an absolutely amazing night at the Al Janoub uh, I don't think many were expecting it because I don't think we were I think we were all a bit stunned weren't we <laughs> it's one of those games where and I, I said at the pre-match function that it's, it's if, if, if nothing worked out last night then the, or tonight then we've achieved a great deal under the circumstances um, the fact that we went on to win it um, and we did it in such fine style as well, made it even better. It was a, it was, it was a hard one to pick because Denmark are a top ten side. They're a great team, quality individuals that um, we set up well. 
we were a little bit shaky at the start, but once we got some rhythm, we were fine. And to be honest, I think we almost outside Denmark because for moments, especially in the second half, it looked to me like they basically chucked it. They didn't really want it as much as we did. You could tell that we wanted it, and it showed in every little action on the pitch. And, and sometimes that's all you need to do to, to beat a better side. Just on Denmark, I thought they were good for the first 15 minutes, particularly with some of those diagonal switches for the fullbacks, Christensen, or the wingbacks, I should say, Christensen and Marla in particular on the left. Um, but you're right, they seemed to lose their way, didn't they? Particularly in the second half, and, and it appears to me that they lack a true number nine, or at least if there was one there, then Harry Souter just absolutely monstered it. I was looking at how often they went long and mm. how dominant Harry Souter was. He won everything in the air, yet they still persisted in trying to hit that side. Mm. Uh, you would have thought they may have would have put another guy up front and, and maybe split the centre-backs and maybe targeted Kai Rolls, for example, or Azic Page, who's a little bit smaller. Milos Degenek was also there to, to cover Harry Souter as well, so they had a bit of uh, we had a lot of height and dominance on that right-hand side of defence. Just on Harry, uh, again, he's a two immense games at the heart of the defence. Surely you'd think he's on the radar of some Premier League clubs in the January window. You hope so, you would think so. Look, I admit, I was a bit doubtful about whether he'd yeah. actually be up to scratch for this tournament because of uh, the injury that he's had. But um, he's come back better and stronger I think the time he's had off during his injury and obviously the work that the, the Socceroo camp has put into getting him right for this tournament and Graham Arnold's belief in him um, has made him a much better player he is super fit, super strong um, he doesn't miss much, he did get a nutmeg last night which we had a little laugh about but <laughs> um, but otherwise anything in the air he just kills it he's looking like one of those centre backs that just will dominate either attackingly or defensively any ball that comes above shoulder height, he's so big and just a reminder, he'd played one game heading into this World Cup. It's just remarkable on the back of that lengthy injury. And Kai Rolls, his central defensive partner, of course, had been out for some time with uh, an injury problem as well. Uh, the two of them together <coughs> have been one of the big success stories of this World Cup for Australia. Uh, talking of which, the goal by Matt Leckie, uh, the second A-League men's player to score at this World Cup after Craig Goodwin against the French. Um, it looked just for a fraction of a second as though he'd lost control of it, didn't it? But he somehow managed to readjust and and find the bottom corner with a terrific effort. Yeah, look, his timing on everything was perfect. He, it did look like he'd miscontrolled the ball, but Lex is quite sharp. Um, and when he hit it, he's pulled it back through the legs of the centre-back and Casper um, Schmeichel in goal was wrong-footed by it. He didn't expect it, and he went down, but he just never had any strength to, to get across and cover that. It was just, everything about it was perfect. The timing was perfect. The timing of the run, the timing of the pass from Riley McGree. It was just a great transition from Australia. Uh, and a word for Graham Arnold's changes as well. Uh, I thought the introduction of Keanu Backus for Craig Goodwin at, at half-time, that changed things for Australia. He was not only very good sitting alongside Aaron Moy, uh, as the double pivot, if you like. But that allowed Jackson Irvine a little bit more scope to go forward. Jackson Irvine's more of a natural forward runner. Yeah. Um, he doesn't like to sort of sit too much in the middle of the park. He likes to be able to get free and, and attack, and that's what he's good at. Um, Arnie blocked the middle of the park for the Danes by putting the extra six in, in Keanu Bacchus, and it worked a treat. Um, and, you know, and even Riley McGregor, Craig Goodwin, was having, he wasn't having a bad night, but it mm. just suited... Um, the situation that he came off and Bacchus went into six and um, McGree went out wide for that little while and that worked as well. 
So the, the the changes that Arnie made last night were, were perfect. The timing was perfect, and the and the selection of the players was perfect. So, round of 16, Argentina, after all the celebrations have died down, uh, could the impossible happen? I mean, the, the Oli Roos did beat them at, at the Olympics, of course. No, the impossible's always able to happen. It just depends on desire, I guess. Yeah. And, and look, I don't think they're going to get carried away with too much... Uh, with too much about last night's result, Arnie will do the right, do what he always does, and he'll he'll get him into into the, the, to breakfast today, for example, and and say, you know, guys, great night last night, but come on, we've got a job to do this on Saturday night. Let's get this sorted. Just a final one, uh, Cosy, before we uh, move on towards the break. You were Graham Arnold's assistant at the Asian Cup in in 2007 with the national team. You know him pretty well. How big an achievement is this for Arnie, given that all he's had to put up with? You, you've mentioned that you know the COVID thing has has really uh, um, been a problem for him during the qualification campaign. But he's he's a coach that divides opinion. Let's put it that way in Australia. Um, is this vindication for him? Yeah, it is. I mean, Arnie doesn't play the politics as well as, as well as other coaches do, and, mm. and part of a coach's um, mantra, I guess, is you have to be a good politician, and you've got to be sometimes all things to all people, which um, you can do that for some of the time, but not all of the time. Um, but he has divided opinion, but he's shut a lot of people up, and he's gone about it his way. Um, whether people liked it or not, the fact is he's got the runs on the board now, and no one can complain. So, you know, good luck to him. I'm happy for him. And he's uh, broken, <clears throat> excuse me, a few records at this World Cup, hasn't he? Two uh, clean sheets, which we've never had before. Two wins that we've never had before. Uh, six points. And now he's uh, equaled uh, Hus Hiddink, who, of course, is one of his, his mentors in the early part of his coaching career, uh, by getting the ruse to the round of 16. Who knows? Maybe he will take them even further. Uh, don't forget to download Keep Up Your Home of Everything A-Leagues and watch the new docuseries A-Leagues All Access. Uh, today on Keep Up, David Davutovic has all the latest after the clash with Denmark and why Graham Arnold opted to break with routine and not select his team the night before. And John Aloisi as to why that win over Tunisia was just as big as the 2006 campaign. That's all on the Keep Up app or at keepup.com.au. You're listening to The Global Game at the World Cup thanks to Kraken.com. Trade crypto with one of the world's most secure exchanges. Get in the game. Kraken.com. Stacey and McGree plays it into the feet of Lecky. Lecky's one-on-one, gets to the edge of the box, cuts around, back to his left. Lecky strikes! Yeah! Yeah! Matthew Lecky has put the Socceroos in front. The path to the round of 16 becomes clearer for the green and gold. Has he got a chance to shoot? He has it. It's a goal to Tunisia. They lead. And Cousin, scores. Shot on goal by Chavez! Oh, my Lord, what the goal! Ball comes in. Let's go. It's a goal for Argentina. Alexis McAllister right from the start of the second half. The ball came in from the right side, played low across the area, and McAllister came in unmarked into the feet. Messi! Oh, outstanding. It's Julian Alvarez who finished it off. Welcome back to the global game at the World Cup. Thanks to Kraken.com. Start your crypto journey with Kraken. To get in the game, visit Kraken.com. 
So, Cosy, let's review the other three games that took place in Doha, starting with the other match in Group D at Education City. France uh, beaten by Tunisia by a goal to nil. Wahi Khazri with the only goal that very briefly put Tunisia into second in the group. And oddly enough, we just heard about that goal, hadn't we, at the Al Janoub when <laughs> Matt Leckie struck for Australia. So it was literally only 60 seconds or so that Tunisia were in that second spot. Yeah, the players didn't know about it, fortunately, and they just went on with the job that they had to do. Yeah. Uh, France made a host of changes, nine in total. Uh, that backfired a bit on, on Didier Deschamps. I mean, they'd won the group. I guess they'd earned that right uh, to make those changes and, and give their big stars a bit of a rest. But momentum can be quite a big thing at a World Cup. And do you think this will stymie that for the French a little bit? Well, momentum is important. The thing you've got to weigh up, I guess, is have they got enough experience to put um, a loss like last night? Just write it off and say, yeah, well, um, it was expected. It didn't matter. Uh, we'll just pick ourselves back up and get on with the job when we need to. You've got to feel a sliver of sympathy, I guess, haven't you, for Tunisia? They've come to this World Cup. They've drawn with Denmark, who are ranked 10th in the world. They've beaten the world champions, France. They've got four points, and they're still going home. Yeah, but they lost to the Aussies, man. That's what counts <laughs> that the most. That was the one I missed out. Uh, France, incidentally, thought they had the equaliser in the eighth minute of stoppage time. Uh, but VAR, after a rather lengthy stoppage, concluded that Antoine Griezmann uh, was offside. Just one more on the French before we move on to the next game. Uh, I see a story this morning that Karim Benzema is uh, potentially back fit again. He could return to training. And because he's still registered to play at this World Cup, he could, if Didier Deschamps wanted him, return to Qatar and turn out for Les Bleus. Would you be doing that if you were Deschamps? I mean, he's a fantastic player, the Ballon d'Or winner, of course. But would that be disrupted, disruptive for his squad if he was to do that? No, I don't think so. He's established himself as a as a, a superstar in his own right. He's a key, been a key part of France's campaign from start to finish. And I don't think, um, and he's, he's a humble sort of guy, I don't think he'd be any of the big star syndrome if he came back in. And, and look, you always need to look at what um, you might need as backup. Oliver Giroud's done a great job for them, but um, they struggled to score goals last night. Um, Benzema just is, pulls a little bit of magic out of them out of his, uh, his back pocket every now and then. He could be the kind of the player you need to go on and get something out of this World Cup. Yeah, well, he's one of the best in the world, that's for sure. Uh, didn't make any difference for France, of course. They still win Group D, as they were always going to. But it is Australia that go through in second place. Who'd have thought we'd be saying that a couple of weeks ago? Uh, in the round of 16, as mentioned, Australia will face Argentina. Uh, they defeated Poland by two goals to nil in Group C at Stadium 974. Uh, again, Argentina had to be a little bit patient, Cosy, before they got the win. Uh, goals from Alexis McAllister and Julian Alvarez. Uh, the first one in the 46th minute. And Leo Messi had a penalty saved brilliantly as well by Wojciech Czesny. Yeah, the penalty for me was a bit iffy. Um, he, Chesney came for a cross and made contact with Messi but yeah. after Messi had actually headed the ball so um, I couldn't see how it would have impaired anything that Messi did but look it's, um, it was VAR the referee made that choice and um, Chesney made a great save but Poland actually parked the bus in the warm up I think it was <laughs> it, uh, they just sat back and absorbed so much pressure but the Argies were very very good last night um, and they deserved that victory 
but Poland still go through. They do. We'll come on to that. Um, do, do you get the sense that Argentina is starting to grow into this tournament? Obviously, they've got Australia next, so we hope that doesn't continue. But after that slow start against the Saudis, they're starting to build some momentum. Well, that slow start against the Saudis, that loss was a real wake-up call, I think, because they played with a fire and a passion last night. They were at it from the start, very, very aggressive in everything they did. You know, some of the tackles that were, were flying in early, they put their cards on the table and said, you know, we're going to take this for sure. Now, you mentioned that uh, Poland go through in second place, which they do by the narrowest of margins. Uh, at one point, I think it was down to a yellow card count. Uh, and they were two yellow cards in front, uh, as in five yellow cards received and Mexico with seven. Uh, and that would have been enough to get them through, but for a late goal for Saudi Arabia in the other game. Uh, before we move on and talk about Mexico and Saudi Arabia, I just want to ask you a point about that. Given with the simultaneous kickoffs, it, it lends itself to that sort of brilliant drama that we saw last night. We're not going to see that in four years' time, are we? Because we're going to go to 48 teams. I think we're going to have these three team groups, which I think is going to be unfortunate and potentially opens the door to collusion, which is surely what FIFA tried to get rid of years ago. Yeah, well, 48 teams means a lot more money there in their revenue flow, so I think uh, they'll worry about that bridge when they have to cross it. Yeah. Uh, Mexico 2, Saudi Arabia 1. That was uh, also the late kickoff in Group C at Lucille. Uh, goals from Henry Martin and Luis Chavez giving Mexico the win, but they were never actually in pole position, no pun intended, to outdo Poland. Uh, and Salem Aldossari's injury time goal uh, ensured the Mexicans went out on goal difference and not yellow cards. Uh, that was the first time, Cosy, that Mexico haven't qualified for the knockout phase since 1994. Uh, and Gerardo Martino looks certain to pay the price with his job, Miguel Herrera, already being uh, linked with the role. And overall, the Mexicans were disappointed, dis despite having so many fans here to cheer them on as well. Well, they needed to save a bit of face last night, but the damage was already done when they were beaten. Um, the other day, so look, it um, it is what it is. It uh, Poland got through. They did well enough in the first two matches, and it just goes to show that you've got to get your first two games in good nick. I mean, we did it with our last two games at the Aussies, but um, you have to set your tail, set your cards out early, mm. and you can get something out of it. Uh, Saudi Arabia did it in reverse, didn't they? They, they defeated did. Argentina by two goals to one. and uh, Never recovered. They, yeah, never recovered. They started giving public holidays out. No, no doubt the Rolls players Royces, made yeah. Rolls Royces. Uh, and unfortunately for them, they ended up uh, going out of the tournament early. But they'll always have that win over uh, the Argentines to remember. Thanks, Cosy, for the moment. Before the break, let's head to Ryan Lever for the latest from Stats Insider, who are partnered with Betfair for this World Cup. Find better odds on this World Cup at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1800-858-858. Thanks, Simon. With FIFA World Cup action continuing tonight, Stats Insider has partnered with Betfair to bring you the odds and data-driven probabilities for the next four games. Stats Insider is Australia's leading predictive analytics website, not only for the World Cup, but for all the world's biggest sports all year round. Now, the final standings for Groups E and F will be decided tonight, starting with Group F action, featuring Croatia versus Belgium, Canada versus Morocco. First up, we're looking at Croatia-Belgium, where a win for Belgium is the most likely result in the win-draw-loss market. Our fair odds for a Belgian win are $2.61, which gives us a slight lean on the $2.78 available at betfair.com.au. The second game sees us taking the favourites again, with Morocco's fair odds to win at $2.15, compared to $2.22 available to back at Betfair. 
The next two games come from Group E, where all four teams are still in the running to make the round of 16, with Japan versus Spain and Costa Rica versus Germany. Our model is heavily favouring Spain to win its matchup against Japan, with Ferran Torres the most likely anytime goal scorer at a 41.8% probability should he remain in the starting 11. As for the Costa Rica Germany matchup, we have a value in the both teams to score market, with our fair odds for the yes sitting at $2.25, which presents a 4% edge on the $2.48 available at Betfair. As always, make sure you check the final team to see who's in and who's out, and for data driven predictions on every World Cup game, continue to visit statsinsider.com.au. And of course, visit betfair.com.au for the best odds and markets throughout the tournament in Qatar. That update, thanks to Betfair. Don't settle for the odds given. Find better odds on the World Cup at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1800 858 858. Welcome back to the Global Game at the World Cup. Thanks to Kraken.com. Safely buy, sell and trade over 185 cryptocurrencies with Aussie dollars. Uh, So let's round out today's show with a look ahead to the penultimate round of group games here in Doha on day 12 of the World Cup. Uh, Four in total again. Belgium against Croatia. That's in Group F at the Ahmed Bin Ali, a six o'clock kickoff. Morocco, Canada, also six o'clock. Same group at the Al Thumama. And Spain, Japan in Group E at the Khalifa International. That's a 10 o'clock kickoff local time. And Germany, Costa Rica in the same group, same kickoff time at the Albait Stadium. Uh, let's start with uh, the Belgium-Croatia game. It's a massive game, isn't it? Uh, one of these two basically is going home, Cosy, And I don't think we thought we'd be saying that in this section. No, not at all. Not with the quality of the sides, but uh, you know, Belgium is still. I think the, the locals, well, not locals here, but the locals in Belgium are still um, upset about their defeat mm. against Morocco a few nights ago, and um, they've got everything to play for. It's going to be a great game. I mean, Belgium dominated Morocco in that match, but they just didn't make the most of any possession. And it's really interesting looking at the stats across a lot of these games. This is a World Cup of transitions. Mm. You know, teams are totally dominating others, but they're getting done in transition so often. Um, and it's what Morocco did the other night. Uh, Croatia, on the other hand, motivated to beat Canada um, by some um, odd remarks from the coach and uh, the Canadian coach, and, and they did it with, with just sheer quality. They were outpossessed, but um, so much quality and experience in the Croatian side. And I think it's going to be a tough game, but I think the Croatians will get up in this one. Battle of uh, the two playmakers, two of the best playmakers in the world, really, in Luka Modric and Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, if you had to pick one for your team, Cosy. Um, well, I love Modric. I think he's fantastic, but he's ageing a bit. If I pick a team for the future, I'd take De Bruyne. Right. <laughs> Not that Kevin De Bruyne is a spring chicken, but no, he's still but got he's a, a few years yeah. ahead, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, now, Morocco, of course, buoyed by that unexpected win over Belgium. Surely they will defeat Canada and go through. Yeah, I think so. The Canadians have come here and um, they've huffed and puffed and made a lot of noise and run around really quick and, and dived into challenges and things like that, but they haven't got that little bit of quality that you need um, or the experience, I guess, to, to get yourself results in World Cup finals matches. I guess uh, their aim will be to get a point, at least, from their final game. They've lost all five of their matches uh, now at the World Cup Finals, going back to their last and uh, only appearance in 1986. Uh, at least they did get their first ever goal, thanks to Alfonso Davis 
in that uh, last outing. Morocco, no, seven unbeaten, and they've kept six consecutive clean sheets, Cosy. Yeah, it's 712 amazing. minutes or 11 hours, 52 minutes. It's a long time, isn't it? But, um, look, I think Moroccans should walk this home, to be perfectly honest. OK, we shall see. Uh, Senegal already through, of course, from the African Confederation. So can Morocco make it too? Now, Group E is hyper-complicated. No team yet out of contention. Uh, Spain, Japan, Germany, Costa Rica, they can all make the round of 16. I would imagine Spain are expected to defeat Japan. And uh, speaking from an Asian perspective, I'm really disappointed that Japan uh, blew that chance against Costa Rica. After beating Germany on match day one, that on paper was the easier game. And now they've left themselves probably with the hardest task in the group to defeat Spain. Yeah, you wouldn't want to go into your last game of the round needing to qualify playing against a team like Spain. Mm. Um, and Spain have been comfortable. They batted Costa Rica in the first match, 7-0. And, um, they were probably unlucky to draw with Germany, to be honest. They, they outpossessed them, they outplayed them, but Germans were fairly resolute in defence. Um, the Japanese would certainly give it their best shot, and they'll fight to the death. Um, the Blue Samurai, they'll, they'll never, ever go down easily and uh, but I think the Spaniards will be too good in the end there's a lot of stake and they've got a lot of experience and uh, if they do go out you'd imagine that's the end of the road for the Japanese coach Hajime Moriyasu who's not been the most popular even coming into this tournament for the way his teams have been set up and Postacoglu's been linked a bit with that job because is that a job that he'd want do you think at this I, stage of his career I don't think so and taking national teams is, is um a thankless task, to be honest, as we've seen what's happened with Graham Arnold and Ange yeah. had similar complaints about the way he was treated by Australian football. So, you know, everyone wants perfection from a national coach and you don't get it all the time because of the circumstances of your job make it very difficult to, to achieve on a consistent level. Um, no, I think he'll, he likes to be at the goalface and that's where the club is. Mm. Maybe they'll go after Kevin Muscat. He's, he's doing pretty well in Japan. Yeah, I think Muscat's in the same boat as Ange. I think he'll yeah. sort of want to... Um, cut some more teeth in the, on the coalface with a club, yeah. with a good club, and he's doing well where he is. Also been linked with the Australian job, of course, but maybe Graham Arnold's going to get an extension after what's happened here uh, in Qatar. Who knows? Uh, talking of uh, coaches, uh, Germany coach Hansi Flick has had a tough start to life as uh, Germany boss. Do you think he'll go if they don't get out of the group? I think they'll beat Costa Rica today. Yeah, they should. Uh, and the Germans don't tend to change coaches too often, but it's it's been a real up-and-down campaign for the Germans. Well, from what I can recall, Joachim Lowe uh, didn't have the greatest of starts to his mm -hmm. tenure as well as a German coach. Yet, uh, they stuck by him, and look what happened in the end. They got the outcomes. They won a World Cup with him. So he, um, no, I think, it, you know, Hansi Flick, he, it's, they've got to stick by him. There's no point in changing. What's it going to achieve? Okay, so uh, Germany and Spain to go through for you yep. from from Group F, uh, sorry Group E, and in Group F, uh, Morocco and you said Croatia, didn't you? Yeah. Wow, so Belgium going home, according to Cosy. We'll see if you're right. Thanks, Cosy. Uh, that's it from Cosy and I in Doha today. He's away to get some Lemsip. Uh, the rest of the day's World Cup <laughs> anything news. Anything else I can find. <laughs> and anything else I can find. The rest of the day's World Cup news is coming up right after this break. <laughs> Mitch Duke, he's struck it to the front post from a long way out. And it's covered easily by Kasper Schmeichel, who dives low on his knees and scoops it up. Laid off, here's Dembele, tries the shot straight at the keeper. We had full vision of it, Dummond. 
Yes, welcome back to the Global Game, the Socceroos Celebration Edition on this Thursday. Thank you very much to Simon and Cozzy again in Doha. Cozzy's just hanging on by a thread over there, but what a night that would have been at the Al Janoub Stadium, a place that will live forever in Socceroos folklore after the last two games there. Two wins in a row consecutively at a World Cup for the first time ever. Graham Arnold, the man leading the charge, you've just heard... The great saves of the day for Schnitz, the best hands in the schnitzel business, Schnitz handcrafted schnitzels. Well, he's the man in charge, he's the leader, he's the one who's brought all this side together, and now he'll be remembered as the second ever manager to take the Socceroos through to the round of 60. Just about the most emotion we've heard from Arnie the whole way through the tournament, almost as much as we heard from him after we qualified. Uh... There were so many moments in this campaign where Football Australia could have cut him loose. They didn't do that and now seem to be reaping the rewards. Another player who's been central to everything good the Socceroos have done at this World Cup has been Milos Degenek. We saw the importance of that win in the second game against Tunisia. You can only imagine how he was feeling after starting and starring in this win over Denmark. Milos Degenek, is there anything in the tank? Uh, not really. I think we're all... I think we're all flat. I think uh, tank's empty, but we've got a couple of days to turn it around, and then um, we go again, and then the tank gets empty again. Then we recover, then we keep going until until we um, we win the thing. Hopefully, we saw that video of you during the, uh, before the last game, revving everybody up. Uh, how much of a role did you have to play with your experience today? Oh look, I just did my job. You know, I did my job to the best of my ability. I thought I. I help with my experience, I help with my, my chat, I help with my dedication and desire to win and I think you know that's sometimes enough to, to get us over the line, which obviously it was today. And indeed that can go for all our Socceroos boys. Uh, the credit to SBS for this and thank you for the audio. Um, let's hear from Matty Ryan, Bailey Wright, Milos Degenek, Harry Sutzar, Ziz Beige, and Jackson Irvine in that order, reacting to the scenes from Melbourne again, this time down in Federation Square and after the biggest game of their lives, the biggest game of their careers, they'll be taking on Argentina on Sunday at 6am Australian Eastern Daylight Time. We're in a chapter of our lives at the minute where, you know, we're creating something special and we're going to be remembering it for, you know, the rest of our lives and not only us as the players, but I'm sure all of Australia, wherever they're watching it from as well, because I was in their shoes a few years back, you know, 2006, 10, following the boys and I certainly remember where I was celebrating, you know, the big triumphs they had. We've uh, got six points uh, in a group stage and we've gone through and uh, I think anything is possible and we showed that out there tonight. So we'll go to war together. Um, Regardless of how the game's going, we'll literally fight to the end, we'll scrap to the end, throw our bodies on the line, run till we drop. First of all, qualifying for a World Cup is a really difficult task. Um, but, you know, the journey we set out on so many years ago <clears throat> was for moments like this. I think that's the most beautiful thing for me, fans and, and flares, that, that goes together and that's that's the beauty of football and us keeping people on their toes at two in the morning and, and you know not just our dreams but fulfilling fulfilling their dreams, something that Australia's waited since two thousand six for. You know, and that everyone speaks about that golden generation and what they achieved and you know I think we achieved something a little bit better. And I hope this sparks the next Tim Cahill, Harry Kuehl, Mark Viduka, Aaron Moy or, or Matty Ryan, you know, I hope these things are Matthew Lecky, you know, I hope this sparks that next kid and I hope this gives kids in Australia the, the realisation that football is the number one sport. You know, this is the first thing we all checked when we came back and this, this, the celebrations, the videos, the flares, 
mate, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, them scenes, you know, they wouldn't be out of place in, you know, anywhere across the world, South America, Europe, mate. Even better, it's the best I've seen. Um, so yeah, I'm just just absolutely buzzing. Yeah, it's amazing. Obviously, it's my city as well. I'm from Melbourne, but we said we need to create that again, you know, and and that's what pushes us even more. I was there in 06 as a fan, and those guys inspired a generation of us to to want to play at this level, to believe that we could play at this level as Australian footballers, and I hope there's thousands of kids out there watching that today, believing that they can do it as well and compete against the very best. A building block for the Socceroos of the future. With any luck, this is only the beginning, football fans. Uh, <laughs> almost hard to believe watching it this morning. Uh, I think everyone very emotional this morning, very low on sleep. Um, and if you are up watching this live across the stations of SEN, congratulations to you. If you're listening on the podcast, we always appreciate your support as well. Here's what's coming up tonight. Overnight's follows us from 11pm. Nathan Gibbons will be taking you through a heavy Socceroos edition of that program this evening from 11 o'clock if you're listening on the Eastern Seaboard. The Football Hub at 1.30am gets underway with Paul Sebastiani. Croatia versus Belgium is the feature game at 2am. Canada versus Morocco is available on the app. And who would have thought that coming into this tournament? That will basically decide who goes through the group, that game between the Croatians and Belgium, both having... Little slip-ups here and there, particularly the Belgians who have come under some serious criticism. Roberto Martinez might be in charge of his last game as the Red Devils' head coach if they can't get a win against the Croatians and progress to the next round. Then from 6am, we're cheering on our Asian neighbours, Japan. Hopefully they can pull off a similar miracle to what the Socceroos did this morning. They take on Spain who lead that group. Again, a similar situation. Winner of that game will probably go through. Germany's still winless. That's the other game you'll be able to find on the SEN app from 6am. They take on Costa Rica. They look almost guaranteed to finish off on four points. As long as the Costa Ricans don't pull another upset as they did against Japan. Wouldn't that be remarkable? They lost their first game 7-0 and still found a way to progress. That would be... Uh, a story unlike any other we've seen at the World Cup. We're back from 9pm tomorrow. Simon and Cozzy still over there in Qatar. And, well, what do we do but begin building up to the next big Socceroos date with destiny, the round of 16 against Lionel Messi's Argentina. That one on Sunday morning at 6 o'clock. We'll be back tomorrow to build up to all of it, to review those big games, hopefully Japan following us through and to preview Group G and Group H, which will finish the group stages. That's from 9pm tomorrow, or, as always, on the podcast after 6pm. I'm Alex Molchanoff, signing off for the global game this evening. We'll catch you tomorrow, and as always, enjoy your football.